0: Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Okay, we're going to jump into Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to we're pick up where we left off, and technically we're going to repeat what we read last week. Um, cause you didn't get it the first time. So we're going to repeat it. Um, no, the word of God is so rich and powerful. We could honestly repeat the word of God every single Sunday, get something brand new every week. And so I'm not going to do that, but I am this one time I'm going to repeat part of this passage in Colossians that I feel um, is, is so rich. So Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, let's go there. If you have a Bible, that's great. If not, we have it on the screen. Paul says, he's writing to the church in Colossians, he says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. Somebody say, that's me. I never met Paul personally, but I'm thankful that he was contending Nearly 2,000 years ago, he was writing this letter for me and for my benefit. And uh, Paul says, I want you to know how hard I'm contending. And then he says, my goal, and this is what we talked a lot about last week, is that they may be encouraged in their heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is life. So i have been preaching on in whom in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, verse four, he goes on to say, uh, I, I want you to know this. I'm telling you this so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. And uh, he says, for though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in the spirit. And I delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Father, we come to you and we just ask you in the name of Jesus, we ask for you to open up our eyes, open up our hearts, open up our minds to hear your word, to receive the seed, even if it's a lemon seed, to receive the seed of your word in the soil of our heart, uh, and to receive it that it might grow, bear fruit inside of us. God, uh, show us what you would have us to learn. Let, let, let the Holy Spirit guide us today. This is a living book. This is not just a, an old written book. It's a living word that wants to speak directly to us. And so we we open up ourselves to hear from you. We open up ourselves to obey you. We open up ourselves to follow after you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Um, I want to talk to you about two churches today. Uh my, 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 my message is about two churches today. Last week, I talked about how it's going to require a fight. If we go back to chapter 2, verse 1, um, Paul says, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you. Uh, that's because spiritual maturity will require a battle. It will require a fight. And so I talked about that. I mean, you don't, you don't relax into spiritual growth. You don't relax into spiritual maturity. This is something that's going to cost you. You're going to have to fight for it. Um, But in verse 1, Paul mentions another church. Uh, This is a church that we learn about later in the scriptures as a church that refused to fight the church of Laodicea. He says, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea. It's interesting because... As Paul is writing this letter, the Holy Spirit is inspiring what he writes. He's, the Holy Spirit is, 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 is infilling him and, and moving him to write certain things. And it's almost like Paul is saying, he, he, he's talking about the, the fight of faith, the fight of maturity. And then he says, it's almost like the Holy Spirit is like, and I want you to include this other church that I'm fighting for too. This other church, the church in a city called Laodicea. Um, this is this is something that probably wasn't a shock to them. In fact, in chapter 4, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul instructs them to share this same letter with the church in Laodicea. In other words, the Holy Spirit toward the end of the letter is like, hey, by the way, all this applies to the church in Laodicea too. Um, so I want you to share it with them also, uh, which really gives us an idea of where the church in Laodicea was at. At this time, at the time of the writing of this letter, this was written about 60 AD, 6 0, that's 60 years after Christ. Uh, it was written about 60 AD. And we have the church in Kalash and the church in Laodicea both getting the same letter. Um, and that is true uh, because you see it in scripture, but it but also makes sense because they're so close together, they're so closely located. Um, Kalash is, uh, or was, about one mile from the city of Laodicea. So that's, that's like from here to Slaughter, <laughs> to Slaughter Lane. Um, not very far, especially when you're in a viper. But anyway, I'm just saying. It's uh, even even walking distance. You could walk that in an afternoon. You could walk on in to Laodicea if you liked. They're very, very closely situated, so it would make sense that as the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church in Kalash, that whatever the church in Kalash is dealing with, the church in Laodicea is probably dealing with very similar, similar things. Now, they're different cities. Laodicea was a larger city, was a more prosperous city from, from, from what we know. Uh, Kalash was a smaller city. They're probably different churches, too, because Laodicea would have been an older, more established church, um, they probably had bricks and mortar, like some of these guys down here down the road um they were they were a the, the, little bit more established christians too uh, they 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 knew a little bit more about what they were getting themselves into and and so there probably would have been larger more people involved in that church as well more numbers and larger larger congregation uh and and yet we see these two churches are both kind of dealing with some of the same things, and really we don 't know much about the church in Kalash in terms of its It's history after this letter. Uh, We know about the book of Philemon. Uh, We know Philemon was probably a part of the church in Kalash as well, so there's some things there. But for the most part, we were not really sure what happened uh, to the church in Kalash down the road. Um, But we do know a little bit more about the church in Laodicea because this was written in 60 A.D. And in 96 A.D., uh, 36 years later, um, there was another book of the Bible written, another letter, uh it's called the 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 book of Revelation. Um you might have heard it. it's in the very back of your Bible. Uh it's the the spooky book you always ignore. Um <laughs> uh the book of Revelation, or as Roe calls it, Revelation's plural. Um it's kinda like some people go to Walmart and some people go to Walmart's um, I've noticed it's not just "row." Other people call it Revelations. And so just, just, just to help you with your grammar a little bit, because I'm sort of a grammar Nazi, um, there's no S on the end of Walmart, and there's no S on the end of Revelation. Um, it is singular. It is a singular revelation. And whenever you write a lot, that is two separate words. A lot. Can we just get that one right? Somebody, help me out. And you are not a part of our church. You are a part of our church, okay? So... Unless you are actually apart from our church, then that's a the whole different scenario. Some of you don't even know. Never mind. Oh, man. Okay, we got a lot got a lot of work to do, Lord. Lord, help us. Um, the revelation... Uh, is is the revelation that John had when he was imprisoned on the island of Patmos. Um, he had a vision of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to him and, and spoke to him directly. And in the beginning of the book of Revelation, now toward the end, it gets weird, right? After like chapter four, things start to get kind of strange in the book of Revelation because Jesus shows him things that are coming, um, what we call the apocalypse, like the end times. And it's and it's really bizarre. And there's a lot of uh, imagery in there and it's kind of hard to understand. But the first part of the letter, the uh, first few chapters of the letter is, is where Jesus speaks to John and he says, I, I have a specific letter I want you to give to seven different churches. Um, this book of Colossians is the epistle to the Colossians. Well, Jesus actually wrote his own epistle. He wrote seven of them in Revelation um, chapters 2 and 3. And his, he, he dictates word for word what he wants John to write to these seven churches. How amazing is that? You get an actual letter. You get an actual email from Jesus. Um, it's incredible, uh, and 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 really, um, some people might say, "Well, why did he only write to seven churches, right? Like, what about City Chapel? Doesn't he care about the little guys?" Uh, no, it's because it's because if you read if you read John's writings, um, the book of uh, the, the Gospel of John, John First John, Second John, Third John, or the Book of Revelation, you're going to find that John loves the number seven because the number seven means completeness. So when Jesus wrote seven letters to seven churches, he was really saying, this is the totality of what I have to say to my end times church. This is the totality of what I have to say to my bride. Like, this is it. Um, So there's, there's a significance to the number seven, but there's also significance to the order of the churches. Um, there's a geographical significance to the order of the churches for instance if you look at an an ancient map and you look at the order of the churches that Jesus told John to deliver messages to um, it's exactly in line with the way that John would travel from his imprisonment in the island of Patmos in other words Jesus is saying look you're going to get off the island of Patmos and the first city you're going to go to is this one right here here's a letter then you go to this city here's a letter and another, and another. And you got seven letters for seven different churches. His final stop, by the way, John's final stop would be a city called Laodicea. And he's got a letter for the church in Laodicea. These uh, letters to seven churches, they have um, significance geographically, but they also, many people believe, has, have significance uh, prophetically. Uh, in, in other words, people people read these letters to these specific churches and they ident- they, they, they've identified seasons, seven seasons of the church, the global church, the church of Jesus, seven seasons that the church has been in. It's almost like each letter is written to a different season. And most people who who see these letters not just as geographical letters but also as prophetic letters, they pretty much agree that we are On the last letter. (laughs) We are in the last season. How long that season is going to last, I don't know, but we seem to be in the last season, not only because of many prophecies that are coming to pass right here and right now, but because the letter so perfectly fits our day and our time. It could have been written. To the church of 2019. I wasn't a pastor in 1919. I wasn't a pastor in 1819. I don't know what was going on in 1719, but I can tell you in 2019, man, this letter is what we need to hear. Now, Jesus is mostly in the seven letters. He's mostly pretty positive. Um, like Caleb, he's positive and encouraging. Um, not just one or the other, both at the same time. Um, he's pretty, pretty darn positive. Uh, however, in like, I think it's two of them, he has some negative things to say, and then you come to the church in Laodicea, and honestly, he has very little positive things to say. Um, he holds out hope to them, he never gives up hope, he's never unkind, but he is, his warnings are pretty severe, pretty dire, and so what I would like to do, I I don't know if we got verse 17 up there, I know we were missing verse 17 before, but, um, I kind of have it memorized. So we're just going to read the letter to the church in Laodicea because I want to talk to you about two churches, the church in Laodicea and the church in Kalash. The church in Laodicea is the church that refused to fight. 36 years later, after the letter was written to them, this is the church that that Jesus comes to and that Jesus speaks to. Uh, If you look at Revelation chapter 3, he says, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea, Write this. So the angel would have been a term for the pastor or the messenger, the pastor, the guy in charge of the church in the Odyssey. I want you to write these words. These are the words of the amen that Jesus is describing himself. The faithful and true witness and the ruler of God's creation. Sounds kind of similar to Colossians that we've been studying. He says, I know your deeds. Notice he does not say, I know your theology. He doesn't say, I know your worship songs. He doesn't say I know your Christian books. I haven't I haven't haven't read your literature, but I know your deeds. I know your actions. Where the rubber meets the road. This is this is what I'm watching. Jesus says, "I know your deeds and the and this is what your deeds have told me. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other." exclamation point. So he's yelling at this point. And so he says, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Uh, that's verse uh, 15. We go to verse 16. This is where he says, do, do we have verse 16 yet? Okay, do we have verse 17? you have verse 17? No? Um, I, I want to look at verse 17 because this is where he says, you say, in verse 17, he says, you say I am rich and I have acquired wealth, and I am in need of nothing. In other words, Jesus is listening to their conversations. He's, he's looking at the, 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 the content of their heart. He says, you say that you are rich, that you've acquired wealth, you have need of nothing, but you do not realize, he says, that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Positive, encouraging. Jesus just hit him with some revelation. He's not being mean, though. You can, you, you can drop a truth bomb and blow somebody up, or you can drop a truth bomb and try to heal somebody. He's trying, he's trying to do the latter. He's trying to heal them. He says, look, man, you think you are, this is, oh, man, this is the bummer with a church that is in compromise. See, compromise, when, when you compromise, and this is true of a church, it's also true of a, of a life. When you live in compromise, you start to become Confident when you have no reason to be confident, and 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 what I mean by that is the the city of Laodicea was a city that it was kind of like Switzerland. They were neutral, they weren't on really they were they weren't on anybody's team, so they were kind of on everybody's team. They were the, because the city was pretty indefensible. There was no mountains, there was no lakes beside them. They were just stuck sort of in the middle of a flat plain, very hard to defend that city. And so they when. When you you don't want to fight, you get good at compromising. When you don't want to fight for what's right, you get good at falling for all kinds of other things. When you you won't stand for something, you'll fall for. And and this is what happened to the city. And unfortunately, according to Jesus, the the, the city was rubbing off on the church. That's the problem with the church of Laodicea. The church started looking more like the city rather than the city looking more like church. This is the great problem with Laodicea. They reflected their city. The city didn't reflect their savior and they began to think like the city they began to operate like the city they began to understand and to look at life the same way that their city looked at life and by the way their city got quite prosperous because like switzerland if you get a whole bunch of offshore bank accounts like, it really tends to help things and, and 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 you can actually if you are the the source of trade if you're the middleman between varying opinions if you can hold two extremes in each in each hand and walk with people who are, if you can live with contradiction, you can make some money. If you can live with hypocrisy, you can do, have some success. Unfortunately, there is some success and there is some popularity tied with the ability to live with contradiction, to talk out of both sides of your mouth. You can also get elected that way. I'm just throwing that one out there. But no it's, it's it's interesting because because when you're willing to compromise your convictions you don't make a lot of enemies you just have a lot of friends the problem is none of them none of your friends really know who you are so they're not really your friends they're your friends as long as you say what you want what they want you to say so what you start the compromise you begin with you got to keep it up and now they don't even know who they are they don't all they they're so confused. They now think they're rich. I I know some of the husbands might understand me here. Let me just speak to the husbands for just a minute. But and some of you ladies, you can you can nudge if you like. But have 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 you ever have have you ever sort of um, sort of not been pulling your weight in the home? Come on, somebody. All right, we got some honesty right over here. Have you ever have you ever just kind of been slacking a little bit, you know, and and, and you know it like, you know, that you're not really given 100 percent. Maybe you're tied up in work. Maybe maybe things have been busy the past couple of months. Maybe you're distracted. Maybe you're going through something and you're just not you're not given what you used to give. And you sort of know that and you kind of are aware of that. And you're kind of like, man, I really I really I really need to get around to that. I don't know, this is a scary time right now. Everyone's like, no, it's not me, Harry. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, fine, maybe it's just me. I'm just going to bear my soul to you. But there are times where it's like, I'm not quite doing as much as I would like to be doing as I think I should be doing. But, I, but I'm doing like the best I can, but it's just, it's just not enough. And, and, and the great thing about me is that I have the blessing of having been married to a strong, wise woman. Um, some of you maybe haven't been blessed with that, but I've been blessed. I've been blessed to be married to a strong, wise woman. And strong women, see strength is the ability to bring some to not always just bring compliments, but to sometimes bring some conflict in order for the benefit of truth. and 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 now, now, I say strong and wise because there are some folks that are married to women that are just strong. And they don't have wisdom, and so they don't know if they're benefiting truth or themselves. So sometimes there's a lot of conflict, and it's just it's just that they wish the color was different, the carpet was a different color. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not to the benefit of truth. Anyway, that's a whole marriage seminar right there. I'll tell you that, right there, uh, getting into deep water right now. But I'm blessed. You're not, Yeah, yeah. You're not ready for that. You know, we can't we can't go there. I've been blessed to be married to a strong and wise woman who prays about it first, who thinks about it first, and then after some time will talk to me about it. And it's, and it's easier if I've kind of been thinking about it already. You know what I mean? It's easier. I'm like, oh, you're right. You know, I've, I, I've been trying to figure out how I can do this. And then she'll say, well, cool, let's let's talk about that. Maybe you could cut this out. Maybe you could say no to that. Maybe you could move some things. In and, and maybe you could reprioritize. And so we work together for the benefit of truth in our marriage, that God would be glorified, not that any one of us would be comfortable, but that God would be glorified. And so, and so we've kind of figured that one out. And those are the easy conversations. <laughs> and if you're struggling with those ones, buddy, let me tell you something. The hard ones, the tough ones are when, and, and this probably has never happened to any of you guys. It's just me. But I'll be cruising along 100 miles an hour, I'll be like, I'm on top. I'm doing good this month. I am. I'm. I mean, you know, I I I I dropped the right compliment at the right time. Sent that text message. I went out and got M and M's at night for her because she was she felt like a snack. And I'm like, I got you. Like I'm. I'm. Like I'm. 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 I'm like, I, I'm going to get an award. I know there's going to be some, some special. I mean, this is like, yeah, we're doing, we're doing great, you know. I'm the husband of the year, and I'm, we're, I'm, I'm cruising along at 100 miles an hour, and then I run into a brick Rowena wall. Uh, yeah, you might have run into a brick fill-in-the-blank wall. It's, it's the, it's, those are the tough ones because it's the whiplash of I thought I was doing good and now you're telling me that I'm not doing good? You're telling me that the trash, like, that I can't push it down and make it last another day. That's what you're telling What? <laughs> Where the rubber meets the road. You know what I'm saying? The sink wasn't full yet. Come on, we don't need to do the dishes yet. What smell? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't smell nothing. We've had that discussion a few times, Uh, but no, it's it's like, like by my standards, I was killing it, and that's some of the greatest conflicts we've had in our marriage. Is by my standards, I'm doing great. By her standards, she's doing great, and the problem is both of us are judging ourselves by our own standards. And we as humans are so good at judging ourselves based on our intentions and judging other people based on their actions that it's a whiplash. It's like, what? I was doing, I was doing, and this is what Jesus said. He said, he's not being mean. He says, you think you're rich. Like, I get it. You think you're blowing it up. You're doing great by your standards. You're doing great by your, well, this is what a good Christian does. I, you're, 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 you're killing it. you I mean, you're on the front of Charisma Magazine, largest, fast, quickest, fastest, and growing. True. Like, you're doing all this wonderful. I mean, it's wonderful in your eyes, but, but Jesus says, look, like, this is a rowena brick wall coming at you. Like, you're really not, your actions don't portray that. Your intentions are there, absolutely. Your heart, I mean, you've got all the effort in the world, but what's the, what is being produced by your effort and by your intentions and by your thoughts and by your good wishes and by your good vibes and blah, 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 by your text messages, by, but what, actually what you're doing, your actions, yeah, its a mix of hot and cold. You call it balance, I call it lukewarm. And he just, he hits them, and he, and, it's, and it's the exact opposite of what they thought. I think that's why those conversations are, are so difficult, because you think you're doing great, and she says, not only are you not doing great, you're doing the opposite of great. This is bad. I think that's what's so hard. It's like it would be different if Jesus was like, I, I know you think you're rich, but technically you're like middle class. Yeah? That would be easier. Oh, okay, well, yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess I'm probably more middle class, you know. Or like if he said, "I know you think you can see really well, you got 20/20 vision, but technically you got a little cataract issue right here, and you kind of need some glasses." Oh, yeah, okay, I guess so. You don't know what you don't know, right? But he doesn't say that. He says, "You think you're rich, but actually you are poor. You are the opposite of rich. You have nothing." to show for all of your work and all of your prayers and all of your singing and all of your meeting and all of your stuff and all of your programming. You have nothing after all of that. that, That's what poor people, they work just as hard as rich people. They just don't get paid. He says, you have nothing to show for all the time, all the experience, 36 years And all you've done is waste everything that's in the account. You have nothing. And they're thinking, we're rich. We're rolling. We got it going on. And Jesus says, no, you're the opposite of that. They think they can see really clearly. And Jesus says, no, actually, you're blind. Like as a bat. Like you can't see your hand in front of your face. You don't need bifocals. You need surgery. I think that's what's so hard to hear. If Jesus would have come in and said, ah, you just, just need to tweak a couple things, would have been easier. It's so opposite of the way that they judge themselves. First church is a church that wouldn't fight. This church became lukewarm. Now, I'm going to sort of blow up uh, your thinking on that for just a minute, because if you grew up in church, especially scary church, you would have heard about lukewarm Christians. Oh, boy. And if you didn't hear about that, let me just, it's bad. You don't want to be a lukewarm Christian. It's bad. It's really bad. Uh, you might as well just be cold. Might as well just be out in the world. It's just awful. What's, what's interesting, though, is Jesus here, well, he's not, sometimes we read into scripture. We read things that aren't actually there. So uh, whenever I've heard this preached uh, as a kid, typically people would talk about Jesus says, uh, I wish you were either hot or cold, right? And so hot, well, that's good. On fire, hot. I'm hot. got to be hot with the Holy Spirit. Hot with the presence of God. Hot with the fire. Hot. You got to get a guttural sound in the back of your throat. Don't even bother pronouncing the T. Just hot. You just kind of leave that to whatever. Hot. And Because, man, being hot on fire, fire for God is hot. And you want to be that. You don't want to be cold. God's frozen, chosen, right? You don't want to be those guys because they never raise their hands in church. They're real quiet, cold, frozen, cold people. And, and but the hot ones—they're over here, you know. They're they're digging like they're hot. And 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 this is what generally was preached. You know, you got to be hot and you can't be cold. But what's interesting is in this context, it doesn't make much sense because Jesus says, "I wish you were hot." Or cold. Hold up. You mean Jesus wishes that we were cold? You mean Jesus is looking, He's going to come back for a bride, frozen, chosen? You mean he's looking for cold Christians? Well, yeah, in this context. In other words, hot and cold aren't what we have been led to believe they are. Hot is not closer to Jesus. Cold is further away from Jesus. That's not at all what this context means. When it comes to the fire of the Holy Spirit, by all means, he wants everyone to be hot. But when it comes to this text, Jesus is once again, he's referencing the city of Laodicea, the city that they are living in. Once again, the church man became like the city. And the city was known for having lukewarm water. The problem with lukewarm water is you can't necessarily use it for any particular purpose at the state that it's in. You have to do something with it. You have to heat it up or cool it down. If you have hot water over here, I can't say it without... If you have hot water over here, you you can use it for bathing. You can use it for cleaning your pots and pans. You can use it for soup, for coffee. Oh come on, somebody! I felt the, I felt it. It's the hot. I felt the hot right there. This is he's got to it's a roast over those beans, man. Uh, the 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 the, anoint, the liquid anointing, and so you can you can use it. You can use it over there. And when it's cold, it's great. It's refreshing. It's 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 a it's a it's a nourishing to you. It's clean, fresh water. And what, what Jesus is, especially in a cold in a hot Texas summer afternoon some cold water i mean that's where it's at you want some of that and so what jesus he's referencing the the, the political the 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 geographical position that they're in because in those days there was a, there was a massive uh, uh amount of fresh mineral water coming from the hot springs of herapolis uh it's fresh water it's clean it's 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 pure was able to be used for all these things that I was talking about so herapolis had this hot these hot springs and it was great for cleaning it was great for bathing it was great for coffee I don't know that they made coffee back then but it was great for all kinds of things and then the Romans built aqueducts which which moved the water the Romans were brilliant at this by the way you know they had they had water fountains 2,000 years ago in Rome like literally you go up you push a button water comes up out of it that's how advanced, we think we're so smart. Anyway, that's how advanced they were because they figured out how to, how to move water from one place to another with great force using gravity. So they built these aqueducts that pulled water from the hot springs in Herapolis, which flowed to different cities. One of those cities was Laodicea. It flowed to Laodicea and then it flowed through Laodicea. It, it finally came to Kalash, by the time it got to Kalash, it wasn't hot anymore. It was cold, which is still really valuable. I mean, you can drink it. You can swim in it. Mineral, you can bottle it, call it Topo Chico, and sell it to a whole city. Come on, somebody. I mean, it's good st- Add a little lemons. Good stuff. So Kalash, the church in Kalash had the cold water. The church in Herapolis had the hot water. And Jesus said, the problem with you, Laodicea, is you're in the middle And he says, I wish you were in a place. That's the key. I wish you were in a place, Laodicea, where you could actually reach in and use what I'm bringing to you. Water is flowing to you. The Spirit is flowing to you. The Word 36 years ago flowed to you. But you weren't in a place to recognize its value because it wasn't usable to you in the moment. Because the place you were in, it was lukewarm. These guys over here received the same word in Kalash and it was cold and it was refreshing and they began drinking of it and it nourished their souls. These guys over here got a piece of it and they began washing pots with it and began using it and it it, it fed their bodies. But you, you see it and it has no use for you. He says, I wish you were in a place that you recognize the value of what was flowing to you. But you can't use it because of where you are. It's all about where they were. They, they, they were in a place of riches, yeah. But they were in a place where they could not use what was coming to them. And so many Christians, man, I, this, this is a sermon I could preach every Sunday. I wish you were in a place where you felt like you needed God. I wish you were in a place where you felt like this thing applied to you. I wish you were in a place where you were desiring more than just coming and watching the water flow just to make sure it's still there, right? Because it's because it's still there. I'll come once a month and just make sure it's still flowing. Go to, go to church. Because this is what's interesting. This is, I think, why the church in Laodicea is so similar to the church of 2019 because never before have we had more flow in all of Christendom than we do now. We've never had more Christian books. We've never had more Christian radio. We've never had more Christian songs. Worship is an actual industry for the first time in human history. People are are bopping to this down the road. I will build my life upon your throne. And you get your Snickers. And it's just you like it's just like we have so much revelation. We're listening to YouTube videos like they're going out of style. We're ch- we're checking into podcasts, like we're we're, we're getting information and, and inspiration and 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 and, and revelation and, and all the Asians just coming in and just whoa flowing and flowing. And the problem with all of the flow is that if you don't reach in and get it for yourself, if you don't take it home then it's just something that the worship people up here on the stage have, and they're splashing around in it, and Pastor Harry's splashing around in it all week. And that's cool, but I don't really need it, because I don't know what to do with that. I can't do anything with that. I drink that, I wash stuff with it. It's It's not warm enough for that, it's not cold enough for that. I'm not in a place in my life where I can see the application of that. This is this is why I see revival springing up in City Chapel, because more and more people are getting to the place in their life where they can see an application for the word of God in their life. Because you don't have to wait for life to get you in that place. Like you don't have to wait till you lose a loved one or till you go bankrupt or until you lose your job. Like sometimes certain things push us into those places where we're like, I need God. And that's lovely. But you don't have to wait for that. You can choose. Like Jesus talks to the church in Laodicea. He said, I want you to buy stuff from me. You have the purchase price in your hand. You can actually get the goods. But you have to choose to move there. You have to choose to go to that place. That place where you really get the benefits of all this. Where you're not sitting around going, well, he's pretty excited about it, but I don't really know why. I don't really know why people are like worshiping like they are. I mean, it's just a song. I don't really know why people are crying like they are. It's just a sermon. Last week, it was so cool to see people, after after the sermon I preached on, the, the, it's going to cost you, you're going to have to fight. And so people came to me afterward and they said, yeah, I feel like God's calling me to fight, but I just don't really know what to do. We had that discussion at Newcomers, kind of turned into a little small group, Newcomers meal, we sat around and what can we do? And we were like, well, what, what, do, you, what do you feel like God's calling you to? Uh, one lady, so I feel like God's calling me to be a part of Christian community. Like, go to church more. Go to, like, groups and things. I said, great, that's it. Yeah, but what about all this other stuff? Forget the other stuff. You don't have to get it all done down right now. You just have to reach in and apply this somewhere in your life. Like, just one thing. And so I said, well, hey, we got game night Friday night. Be awesome. Come play some games. Let me whoop up on you and you Uno. just kidding. I only won once. Myron won the other time. Um, Manessa did not win. Myron won the other time. We had some good competition going on. But then, then that person was there. It was so cool. Because you know, you know, well, you ought to know that as soon as you decide to go for God, you're going to meet some conflicts. There's going to be other stuff come up. Other people invite you to this, to that, to the other. Just try fasting one day. Just say, I'm going to go without food for a day and and, and seek God. That'll be the day that your coworkers bring pizza. That'll be the day somebody bake cookies and they stick it under your nose. You're like, that's never happened to me. I've never tried fasting. Mm. Give it a shot. It's in the Bible. It's a good thing to do. Yeah. The whole New Testament. Uh, written about it Uh, but that's the second church so the first church is the church that 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 wouldn't fight the second church is the church that wouldn't quit, the church in Colossians wouldn't quit, he says in verse 5 of Colossians 2 he says, he says I rejoice to see your uh, in this version the NIV it says discipline um, and steadfastness or you're continuing in that discipline but in the uh, in the King James or the New King James it says your good position. And this week, I was I was talking to one of our members, Romeo. Uh, Romeo's going through stuff. He's not able to be here right now, but he's with us. He's not with us in body, but he's with us in spirit. And he called me up. He's been calling me up all the time. And uh, and I just felt the Lord tell me, like, you need to share this with him. This right here, this is where he says, I, I rejoice to see your good position. Your good position, that that term position. uh, that's a sport. That's an athletic term. Some of you guys watched the, uh, the, the women's, USA women's team win the soccer. They little, their little soccer game they had going on. They took it out, man. So the women, the, 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 the American women just beat all those foreigners. It was awesome. It's, <laughs> <laughs> but the way you win at soccer, it's all about position. I grew up playing soccer all the time. It's all about main, the, the team that wins is the team that's most disciplined to stay in their position. You give up your position, you lose. You compromise your position, you lose. Same is true in the far superior sport of football. The Lord's, the Lord's sport. And I'm from, I'm from Michigan where we are born into Detroit Lion fandom. Unfortunately, that's a place you can never leave. Um, but... Uh, the Detroit Lions are not good at keeping their position. <laughs> by, the time, by, the time, by, by the time you get to the NFL, almost everybody's pretty darn fast, really pretty strong, and really tall. They're, they're all monsters, you know. Uh, the only thing, the thing that really separates the, the Detroit Lions from the, the New England Patriots is their discipline to stay in their position. Uh, the, 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 the Detroit, because the Detroit Lions, like, they kill it in practice. We really do. We like nobody can practice like us. We are so good at practice. Like like we are good at huddling up, calling a play, the wide receiver gets to the line and he's going to run his route. And and we're so good in practice at running that route, making that cut and then making that catch. We're awesome. It's when it comes to game time that we tend to struggle. But see, that's the that's <laughs> It's real easy in this huddle right here to hear the play call of Jesus and say, all right, we're going to pray. One, two, three, break. And then we walk out that door and we get to that line of scrimmage and there's an enemy right in front of us. And in fact, unlike, unlike the Lions, we're actually triple covered. I don't know if you know this or not, but you are triple covered. If you don't know what football is, Stay, stay with me i've been playing madden i'm so i'm so ready for football i've been playing pretend football guys on a screen that's how desperate i am for football but man every single believer is triple covered we have three primary enemies coming against us satan the world and ourselves and 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 in football when you when you line up at the line of scrimmage the the the, the defense they have 5 yards to mess with you to mess with you hard. Like, they can push you. They can hit you. They can tickle you. I don't know. They can do whatever. They can do all kinds. It's like rugby right there. I mean, it's like that, that's no man's land. They, I mean, they'll, they'll knock you on the ground, flat on your back. Your goal as a wide receiver is to get past that five yards because you are about to get hit. And I see this with believers all the time. We huddle up. We hear from Jesus. Get to the line of scrimmage. All right, here we go. And then, bam. Our tire blows out. Bam, something comes up. Bam, we lose a job. Bam, there's an argument. Bam. Sometimes the hit isn't just something coming against us. Sometimes it's our own self. We trip and we forgot to tie our shoelaces. And we trip and we fall on the play. Look, man, don't be Randy Moss. Don't give up on the play just because some things didn't go your way. Sometimes you got to get back up and run the route. This is what Paul said. He said, I rejoice to see the fact that you're still running that route. That you're running that route in spite of opposition, that you're running that route in spite of temptation, that you're running that route in spite of distraction, that you're running that route in spite of personal failure. You got back up, and you, like Rob Gronkowski, you got back up, and you run that route. You are disciplined to that route. Some people, man, they see see their fellow players messing up. And they can't run their route because they're too busy watching the other people in the church. And they're like, I don't think they're doing what they should be doing. And that's wonderful. But what about your route? You can you can get so distracted, and it's it's discouraging. It really is when you when you're running as hard as you can, and the guy who's running next to you falls down. That's that's discouraging. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm going to run my route. You can run alongside me if you like, but I have a route to run. I'm going to run my race and finish my and I'm going to get my prize because I've been I, I'm called by God to run a route. And this is how you win. I want to do a sermon someday of the, the power of patterns because patterns are so powerful. We we're always looking for the big play. As I said in the first service, Jesus don't do Hail Marys. That's not just cuz I'm Protestant. That's just as real. He doesn't he doesn't do <laughs> He doesn't Hail Mary play is where you throw it deep. Lions do a lot of Hail Marys. We, we, we're, we're going deep every day, all day. Because we're always at third and long because we don't run our, we're don't, because we not disciplined. We're waiting for, you know, the big bomb. And some of us spiritually are waiting for the big bomb. And we're just waiting for that moment where God just, boom, blows everything up. He's not going to do it. He's going to wait for you to run that route. What's that route? Well, for one person, I know last week that route is to go to church and to be involved in Christian community. Come to game night somebody else. They told me that God's calling them to get up at 6 a.m. and pray. Can you run that route? Let me, let me tell you something. If you run your route, you'll get open. If you, if you run your route, you'll get open because the play is designed to throw off the defense and to get you open. If you, and, and this is what happens. I, I noticed every Sunday, some people just get open and they make a big catch. Like, like in this room one of the routes is going to church. And this is why the enemy will try to stop you from doing that because it's that simple pattern that helps create power and momentum in your life. And so all kinds of stuff going, like, oh, I don't really like that. I'm not sure about that. And I'm kind of busy this weekend. I'd rather sleep in. And, and he, he'll, he'll, he'll come, He'll uh, Satan, self, and the world will all come against you and will try to stop you from that. But what I've noticed is that as people run the routes, occasionally random people get open. And it's never everybody all at once. But you might be worshiping and somebody over next to you is just like, they got open. And tears are down their face, and they're like doing the salsa, you know, what's his face? And uh, the, the Giants player, you know, he's just kind of like, like, he's like, they're doing a t- uh, touchdown celebration. Well, celebrate with them. That's, that, 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 that's the goal of church is to, not that we all catch touchdowns all the time, but that we all run our routes and occasionally some of us get the big plays. And those big plays, we celebrate that because when one person wins, we all win. When one person conquers addiction, we all conquer addiction. When one person gets free from pornography, we all get free. So I'm going to run my route and I'm going to celebrate when you get a catch. I'm going to celebrate when you get in the end zone, but, 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 I, but I know that my catch is coming. I know that, that, that the one who made his promises to me in the huddle will not forget about them when I'm in the field. The challenge is the promises I made in the huddle, will I forget about them in the field? The determination I had in the huddle, will I keep it in the field? Paul said, I'm, I'm delighted to see you're still running that route. You've been hit. You fell down. You got back up, you kept running. You've been covered, ball hadn't been coming your way. You're still running that route. Jesus is like Russell Wilson, man. It doesn't matter, he'll make stuff up. You fell down, that's okay. Plan B, which is he runs around and buys time for you to run your route. Heaven is not out of time. It's short on obedience, but it's not short on time. Just needs some people to run some routes stick with it. To be faithful to it. See what God does. To see what God blows open in your life. Would you stand with me? I just want to pray over you, I guess. I don't really know any other way to end it other than just to huddle, to huddle up. As a church around our around our QB Jesus. I guess I would say that if you've never gone into if you've never come into the huddle of the church, I want to welcome you. You can you can join today. It's not an, it's, it's, it is a 501c3 corporation, but it's, it's so much more than that. <laughs> actually, it's the team. It's, a, it's the winning team. It's the team of God. And to come on his team and to say, I submit to him. It was actually, just to stick with the great, the great example of football, it was the prophet Vince Lombardi who said, Who said discipline, which is the word that Paul uses. Discipline is the ability to do what was commanded to you by the person over you. That's what discipline is. And that's what it means to join Jesus's team. To say, you know what? I'll let you be in charge. I'll let you call the plays. And I'll just run the routes. And so Father, we come to you today. And we do. We submit to the lordship of Jesus, the QB of our souls. We submit to his place. They, they, they might not even make sense to us. Lord, we submit to his design. The enemy has tried to block us and tried to stop us, tried to distract us and slow us down. But Lord, we, we recommit, we covenant with ourselves and with you. And when we hit the line of scrimmage this afternoon, that we're going to do what you had told us to do before we got there. We're gonna be faithful to it. And if we don't know what that is, I ask Lord that you would speak to us. It's only in the huddle that we can hear the voice of our divine quarterback telling us what to do. We have to listen, we gotta get close enough to be able to hear the play. See where, where, where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do. It might be as simple. Somebody last week said God was telling him just to, on their way to work, 30 minute drive to listen to Christian music and to think about God. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's maybe that's your route. And you run that route. I guarantee that one of those mornings you're gonna get open. And something's gonna break. And you're gonna receive something from the Holy Spirit. Whatever route he's calling you to run. Lord, we we say yes to you. We say yes. We thank you for already overcoming our enemies, already dealing with death, hell, and the grave triple coverage, triple threat. We already thank you for that. And we just look to you for our strength and for our encouragement in Jesus name. Amen.